Hey, it's your man Chandler. And I'm Stephen Wall. So if you enjoy my antics on Kind of Movie Critics, then boy, do I have some great news. Chandler and I have a podcast called Act 3. We give the latest in film news, and we talk about movies, TV, pop culture. We break our topics down into three acts every week. Just like a movie. That's right, Chandler. It's somewhat informative and occasionally funny. <laughs> That's pretty high praise. Um, I was talking about myself. Oh, of course. You can find us on act3podcast.com and wherever fine podcasts are available. Enjoy the show. Please be advised, the Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. Yo, yo, it's Treasy. Smart in the mailman. And I'm Young Leezy. Kind of Movie Critics, COVID compliant. We back in it to win it. Um, before we get into the shits, man, we, we need to up our... Um, social media presence so uh, if you're on instagram and facebook i just want to go ahead and get it out the way follow us on kind of movie critics that's k-i-n-d-a movie critics and if you're on twitter it's kind of k-i-n-d-a movie crits c-r-i-t-s um so yeah man figured i'd do it inversion style kind of like a tenant do the <laughs> socials right off the rip uh, how y'all feeling i'm cool right. i went outside cool. Me and Corey went outside. outside. Oh, what? Yeah, what, what, like what literally, because you can't you can't eat inside. So we went outside. <laughs> oh, okay. Which y'all hit up a spot on Granby or something? We like that? hit up two spots. I'm not saying where because I love y'all listeners, but no, you're not gonna ruin life for me. But <laughs> one one place added an outside that they didn't have before. And another place already had a big outside, and we were like, "Yo, we should go there. It's mad outside." <laughs> So that's was, what we did. Was it pretty crowded when y'all went? Mm, no. Mm-mm. We did a happy hour and a dinner. Not just the nice. two of us. It was four of us, but, you know, we're still COVID right, compliant right. with four people. Right. I know good and well Martin has ain't go outside, outside of his job. You got on gloves today, Martin? You Mickey Mouse in nah. it or nah? <laughs> nah, I went and got a cut this morning, actually. I see. You fresh over there. Hey. <laughs> but it was what was the process? Well, what was the like, process like? He uh he wiped down the chair, disinfected everything. I had to write my name in a book with my numbers in case there was like a breakout or something like that. Then I had to wash you, my hands because I touched the book and the pen, and I came in oh, there with wow. a mask and gloves on. And but it, it was cool because like I just asked him to come as early as he could to the barbershop so nobody was in it, nobody would be in there, so nobody was really in there. He wore a mask, right. so I was fine. Right. So, so dang, that's crazy. So, when you said it made you write your numbers, you talking about like your temperature? No, it's phone no, number. No, like your phone number. Like oh. if it's, if somebody in there, like if a barber gets it, then they could contact all these people, so they could be tested. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay, I thought I thought he hit you with the with the little infrared thermometer, Jen. On your forehead. Uh, right on your forehead. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Talk about so oh you had you ninety eight point nine, my nigga. I don't know if I can cut you. Yeah. You, you you starting to move up a little bit. He said like, he, he went to the um the strip, like the Virginia Beach strip, like last night. He said it, it took him an hour just to get through it because there was so many people out there. Oh no. Why that's, did he go down the there? See, you shouldn't he trust him. He just drove he just drove. He said he just drove He didn't get out of his car. Yeah, he said he didn't get uh, out of car. I said, then you turn around and get a haircut from him. You wilding after he told you that's. What if he would have told you that, that he got out and was hanging out halfway through the cut? 
Yeah, he was wearing a mask and everything, though. And gloves. It'd be like so. raw sex. You already in there. You might as well. I'll <laughs> <laughs> finish it up. I'll <laughs> finish it up. That's crazy, dog. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a brand new world, man. But uh, we ain't about to COVID y'all to death. Nah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but we are about to talk about that Tenant 2 trailer, though. The, ten, the, uh, one, the second Tenant trailer. <laughs> yeah, the second Tenant trailer, not Tenant 2. <laughs> well, <Sorry. laughs> you know, with the, this idea of, of in, inversion, because so one of the things that they broke on the trailer is that it's not time travel, right? It's like they talked about it being inversion, which is literally, I guess, going backwards through time, like. I don't, did they even did they really explain what inversion was? I in mean, the trailer? I can conjecture what inversion is. Um, that whatever you're doing is in reverse. So while uh, while a person experiencing time forward, you're experiencing time backward. I'm right. guessing. Yeah, I'm. I'm very intrigued to exactly what that means because I mean, I get the concept of it. Like when he went to the shooting range and he shot the bullet, and he was really catching the bullet, not shooting it. And that's why he could go up the side of the building because, in in real time, I guess because time and gravity are connected. Because of that, he could go up the building instead of down it. So he's actually repelling off the building, but it looks like he's climbing up. So that makes sense too. Uh, uh, Okay. So so. It sounds like not only him, but not not only John David Washington's character, but also whoever is experiencing character. I guess whoever is experiencing time inverted because they because they went up the side of the building together. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming by your theory, then it affects them both. So I want to know, like, what's the inciting event that allowed for that to happen? You know what I'm saying? Like what the genesis of that event was. And they make it look like it's whatever was happening on the train tracks, uh, and, um, whatever incident happened there when he when they had him like held hostage. I guess some Russians had him held hostage and had a gun to him, and he was breathing all heavy. We'll see. Um, the the first trailer led me to believe that that was the inciting incident. Uh, what what else did we learn from this trailer? Did you see the t- the tenant trailer, Martin? The second one that came yeah, out, yeah, like, yeah, I saw ago? it. Uh, anything else we learned from this trailer? Michael Caine, Michael Caine, Michael Caine. <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Nolan can't move and make a movie without Michael Caine. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's a fact. That's that, that must be his big homie, the mentor. I mean, I like Michael Caine, but I'm not gonna lie. Like, I was excited when I didn't know what it was, and now that I've seen what it is, I'm kind of like, oh, this feels exactly like Inception. Yeah, yeah, but it feels like yeah. it's it's not as good a cast as Inception to me. Because you had with, Leo, you had mm-hmm. Ellen Page, you had uh, Tom Tom Hardy, uh, what is his name? M. Joseph Gordon or whatever. Bit. I don't know about y'all, yeah. I was excited about Lucas Haas. <laughs> I'm, Lucas I'm kidding. Uh, I'm, yeah. No, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> talking shit. No, I'm, I wasn't. Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ken Watanabe. Watan- I don't know how to pronounce his yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. What is was in Joseph uh, Gordon Levitt? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But it feels so, yeah, it ki- feels very similar to that. And like I said, yeah. the addition of Michael Caine speaking, I'm like, oh, this feels like Inception with yeah. with with a different cast. Which I do like John right. David Washington, and I like Robert Pattinson. So you know, I, I'm very sure though that he hasn't shown us all the big guns of who's going to be in this movie. I love that you know he pulled that with Interstellar. It was like, oh shit, Matt Damon. So we may get that again. Right. Um, who knows? 
Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I mean, he always keeps Ace up his sleeve, uh-huh. and Nolan, and um, you know, it's it's it's, it's going to be a maybe traditional just in presentation, but it, it you know, he all yeah, he always got like a curve, man. He always got a curveball that makes it a little deeper. So that's why I'm I'm in it. Like I'm, I just you know have faith in him as a as a content provider and as a producer, man. I I have faith that he's gonna he's gonna blow my mind somehow with this thing. It can't be just as easy as oh things are moving backwards. You know, there's something to it. Um, it, funny enough, man, it, it, what made me uh, <laughs> the I don't know if you guys heard about this whole parallel universe finding that they that they uh, that that they uh, were talking about earlier this week. Or was it this week? It was like earlier this week. No, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Just talk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway, some like a, a needed device, I, I guess, found like a um, proof of a parallel universe. Or something like that, and they in their hypothesis that in this parallel universe, time is traveling backwards. So, uh, you know, like once the tenant trailer came out, I was like, man, I wonder if this is like, uh, if these are kind of running ha- like parallel to each other, like this is the rollout for Inception, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, a parallel universe where shit is running, where time is running backwards. I mean, it's a wild uh, prediction, man, but we've been seeing that a lot more. Like, we talked about devs obviously with like, uh, sort of a multiverse, uh, concept you know and and it sounds like this might be running in the same vein to some degree um but i tell you the biggest thing that i learned and with with this whole not even in the trailer but just kind of researching the facts around the trailer this whole 20 percent uh first dollar deal that nolan got out of this which i don't think is like i don't think it's something out of thin air for nolan he always you know he's got like a whole production deal with warner yeah but that 20 percent woo, 20 percent off of like the film like just money right off the rip. That's not even like after profits, like 20% right off the rip, man. That is a crazy ass deal, man. And I think Leo did something similar with Inception. And uh, he took like, I think he took like low salary and same thing, 20% ended up making like 50 million yeah. uh, off of Inception. So, so now, so now I know that there's definitely a push for this bitch to come out in the, <laughs> for theaters. Oh. Nobody else, Nolan, <laughs> yeah. Nolan pushing for that shit. Um, do you think it will this year? They confirmed it. They, they they confirmed it, man. They confirmed that it's definitely coming out in theaters in the trailer, right? It said, uh, like, that was, like, the last thing they showed. It said, yeah, it uh, said coming to theaters. Theaters. It didn't say which date. <laughs> so Right, right, right. Well, July 17th is where it's slated. But uh, there was a deadline article that said that it needs all, you know, U.S. theaters to be operating at 80%, at least 80% of the theaters open for them to I guess for it to be a good risk for it to come out. So that's the bar. If uh, And and that article was saying like, of course, New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco kind of account for 25% of the market. Um, So as long as 80% of the theaters worldwide are open or not worldwide, but just, uh, just domestic here, as long as they're open, I guess it's going to come out. And if not, then I think the next date that they can, that they're able to take is the, um, the date for wonder woman, 1984, which is sometime in August. Yeah, but yeah, that pushback is severe though. Because if they push back on that, that means Do- uh, if they push back and take Wonder Woman's spot, that means Dune's in jeopardy. And I know that's not good for you, Lise. No, I will have all the damn feelings. I just looked up this Anita <laughs> device that's been around since what's this, two thousand six? Uh-huh. They weren't able to recreate the results that made them feel the. I'm reading why they thought that time was going backwards in a 
in a a parallel universe, but they weren't able to recreate it. So mm. they could totally just well, be I, fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely. It was, it was just, about um, the the cosmic rays being emitted from below when they should be absorbed. Right. It was so, it, yeah, something about it coming up from the. But they said, and they said the particle that they found was, I, I guess, from 2016. They were saying. Is that what you read? No, I've read like a synopsis, but I can I know how science works and I know why they're saying what they're saying. But <laughs> oh, okay, well, yeah. I won't I won't get into well, all of that. You don't need my brain to completely nerd out. No, no. I mean, it's you know it's just funny that information is coming out kind of like now. You know, I mean, and it was anybody. just a few months ago. That's the thing. You say again. It was just a few months ago. It happened in January. Oh, okay. So. Well, Okay. The movie's been made way before then, so. Right, but no. What I'm saying, not not that the this event inspired the movie, but like this is this point this this point of like when this shit is about to come out. Now they're talking about it, and that makes it even more so if they found this out in January, and then the information because like I just read the article. I think it was like May 18th. The article came out. Mm So yeah, so it's like using media as a rollout. I just just makes you wonder. That's all. Um. Uh, anything else we want to add about about Tenet? Nothing stuck out. I'm. Mean, am I the only one that's excited about this movie? No, I, I'm excited about it. But like I said, watching this trailer, and I said this before we started recording, but watching this trailer made me less excited about the movie because it feels so much like Inception. Um, and that was one of the things that I loved about Interstellar. Like I didn't know what the fuck I was about to watch, and I was like, mm. "Yes, this is amazing!" <laughs> when it was over. Yeah. So, right. and Martin's making a face like really bitch. Um, but oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> first of all, can we address the background? Like, we're probably not gonna do video, but can we address this Dave background that that, that Martin has rotoscoped himself into? <laughs> we have that at work, and I, um, whenever I take meetings, I take them from the Slytherin common room. So <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I work That's in IT, funny, so man. um, I don't, I write for IT. Just so we're right. clear, I can't fix your computer. But um, <laughs> so we can, since we can do that, they've showed us how we can like save our personal backgrounds. And I was like, you're slithering over here, huh? <laughs> that zone's kind of fly, man. That technology has come a long way, bro. For it to be able to like just completely trace you out in real time. That's That used to be like, that used to take like two dudes a whole fucking day to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for like 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Yeah, Speaking of technology, a long way. Did you guys see on DL Huey's um, IG page like those deep fakes from Coming to America, where they like put different people over the women in the club scene? No, I didn't see. That. I'm gonna send it to y'all, and I'm gonna. It just. I don't even want to tell you who's in it because it's way funnier if you don't know who's coming next. But I'm right. gonna put it in there. I'm gonna put it in our group chat, and I'll share it on our our kind of movie critics page because, bro, it's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, who we like? Is that a program that does these deep fakes or like? Yeah. Is it okay? I want to know what program that is because I'm, uh, sure I'm not sure. Adobe has a program that can deep fake your voice and make you say stuff you didn't say. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm cool on that. I can tell you what the program's That's- called. I heard about it on Radio Lab like two years ago. I'll share it with you later. <laughs> Matter of fact, no, I think, matter of fact, I think you shared it with me because I remember, I remember hearing, I feel like I heard about it. It wasn't two years ago I heard about it. It was only about a year ago. Mm-hmm. So it makes me wonder if you already shared that with me. But yeah, when I, even when I, but even then it was like, 
I think it was still like a, in a beta phase because the video was a yeah, but they, it was like a TED Talk style sort of thing. Yeah. So yes, the um, the audio component is some was is newer technology than the video component, and the video yeah. component was not as um, good as it is now. But mm-hmm. somebody like put this shit on Instagram and it looks very good. So I'm like, whoa. Yeah. That's way better than what I was seeing a year ago in terms of deep fakes. I've seen some really good deep fakes like George Lucas saying funny, funny things on um yeah. <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> but the component yeah. of you can make people say stuff they didn't say and then use their image in conjunction with it is what's scary. Yeah. But when Radio Lab like put it up, I was like, Boy, this looks hella fake. But now they yeah. don't look hella fake. <laughs> yeah, so, that's that's so scary. We'll see. That's scary, man. I hope you know people use that kind of technology to start wars and shit, man. Mm-hmm. I hope I hope we don't go there with it. Um, but bet, man, let's get to the sermon. Let's get to what we are here to to discuss. Young Dave from FX, uh, FX property, starring um Lil Dicky, who I, I've been somewhat of a fan of since about 2015. Uh, since that that sway that sway freestyle. Did you ever see that, John Martin? Yeah, I saw it. I don't know when I first became a fan of Lil Dicky. Maybe like Save That Money was probably the first time. How long ago was that? Yeah. Save That Money money was like 2017? It might be. No, it might be earlier than that. It had Mm. to be like four years ago or something like that. That was a genius concept in terms of a music video, man. Yeah, and I loved how like you look at the music video and then like there's a documentary he did on how he did it all, but and even in the music video, he's showing you like how he's hustling to like make it happen, like talking yeah. to the club promoter and everything, right? Which is pretty cool. Getting the house from the lady, yeah. They they really, I think the guy who directed that video did three episodes on this yeah. season. Uh, uh, Tony Ascenda, yeah, 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 he, he did, did most the season of, um, finale. I think he did most of um, Lil Dicky's videos for real. Yeah, I know he did the uh what's the other one I like the pillow talking joint? Oh, the yeah. brain. Yeah. <laughs> this bitch don't know about Pangea. <laughs> That's just stupid. And I guess if anybody if if you've ever seen any of Dickie's videos, listened to any of his content, this particular show and the presentation of it shouldn't be a surprise. This is kind of like right up his alley. Um very original uh style of presentation. I was talking to Skills about him, man, because Skills is kind of just getting up on him. Uh, and I put him onto the show. Shout out to Skills, but uh, I was I was telling him like I think Dicky used to work at a marketing firm, yeah, in like in like San Francisco or something like that. So it seems like when it comes to his art, it's sort of it almost feels like the marketing of it gets put in front of the creation of the art. Mm-hmm. So it's like he has like a marketing plan that he wants to adhere to, and then he figures out what type of artistry he can do to fit this marketing plan. That's how it almost feels to me. Of course, I could be way wrong, but Well, I think in like he like he was working he wasn't working in marketing, he was working in sales and they asked him to do some type of presentation and he he made a rap video for the presentation and they switched him into like creative and that's how he got into like marketing and stuff like that before he quit his job to be a rapper. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, so he's he's kind of always had that like drive behind him, I think. To do yeah. to do marketing to do like creative things. That's really dope, man. That's that's a fairly unique situation, man. Really good way to approach it. Like he approaches it from a very um just very business like. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of jokes about that in the 
in the show. He really seems to treat rap like a business as opposed to so like a hybrid of a business and maybe therapy and something that he really, really appreciates the artistry of it. But, you know, I don't hear as many people talk about the business side of it like he does, you know, um, yeah. where it's really just a product, you know. And that's probably why he gets so many people to collab with him because they know like he he's really about his stuff and it's going to be fun. It's going to be funny and it's going to make yeah. some money. So like, right. Yeah. It's all wins all around. Uh, were you, ever, are you a fan of Dickie outside? Of, well, I don't even know if you like the show, Lizzie, but are you a fan of Dickie at all? Uh, I like the Chris Brown song. That's all I know from Dickie before this. Oh, okay. You So have you, since this show, have you gone back and looked at anything? No. Okay. He got a, so watch Save That Money, which is a, a song that he got with, um, Fetty what's the Wap dude name? Uh, Fetty Wap. Rich, Rich yeah. Homie Kwan. Watch the actual video when you listen to this song. See, that, I don't know too much of his music that doesn't have videos to it. That's the thing about. Yeah, most like, of it does. I, well, I mean, he yeah. had an album. I don't think he did a video for every song, but every song is pretty much a concept. Right. And yeah. and it, the funny part is, is that I in an album form, it really doesn't work. It, it really does work as singles because yeah. I, I have that album, but I couldn't like I don't remember listening to it two or three times. Like I remember stick like the things that stick with me are the songs that he makes the videos for because he really figures out a way to tie the entire concept together. But uh, go back and watch Save That Money if you can. Definitely go back and watch. Uh, he has a music video called Pillow Talking. And the the music video, the song in the video, probably about like 10, 12 minutes long. Um, it's an entire story about, you know, him pillow talking with a girl after he has sex with her. And it's, it just gets awkward. And it's actually uh, the girl that's starring in it is the girl that plays his girlfriend in, in this okay. joint right here. Um, and then watch. There's a joint he got with Snoop Dogg. I forget the name of the song, but it's it's an animated it's a, video. Yeah, it's an interview or something like that. Yeah. That was a really yeah. good one. Him doing an interview with Snoop Dogg and that shit is like like a job interview with Snoop Dogg sort of thing, uh, and that shit is is really 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 good. There's um, a there's an animated one called Earth that it, that's really good too. Called what Earth? Earth, yeah. It, it has like I don't know. It probably down. has about twenty something artists on it. It's it's kind of like a it's kind of like a parody of like one of those We Are the World type of songs, but it's animated. <laughs> And he has like Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande and Snoop Dogg and like a million other artists on it doing oh, all those little dope. cameos and stuff. So it's it's pretty cool to watch. Oh, that's from super like dope. A, I'm definitely gonna go. from like an animation perspective and from a music perspective too. Right, that's fly right there. Um, yeah, man. So uh, in a nutshell, anybody who's not familiar with Lil Dicky, he's just an ultra creative creator. Like, um. I know that sounds stupid, man, but it, it really makes sense when you watch his content. Uh, do do y'all feel like I, I feel like it's an obvious move for people like like me and you, Martin, right, that we're kind of familiar with him to watch this show. Do you do we feel like people who are not fans of Dicky do? OK, this is a perfect question for you, Lizzie, as as coming into it, not really familiar with Dicky was the transition in this show sort of jarring or like, how did you feel about the content of the show? Not really knowing too much about him. Um, so I didn't know anything about Dickie other than that song. So I didn't, I didn't realize like that he has full on like, um, short films, you know, that he has long form music videos. 
So I, right. I had no idea. I, I didn't know that until you started talking about it a moment ago. Um, I like the song. I thought the song was cute, but you know, it's like a Weird Al Yankovic. Like I'm not checking for Weird Al Yankovic. I'll just see his funny shit when he does it next time. You know what I mean? Right. Um, as far as the show, you know, the algorithms on these um, streaming services are, I mean, except for when we talked about how Netflix is trying to push their bullshit on you, but outside of that, <laughs> they're ne- they're relatively good okay. at predicting like what I'm going to be interested in. Not necessarily what I'll like, but like it's like, hey, you you like this thing? Try this other thing. Um, right. And I it kept Hulu kept trying to make me watch Dave, and I was like, nigga, I don't care about this. Whatever this is, I don't mm-hmm. care about it. Um. But then when you guys were like, watch Dave, I was like, okay, I'll watch Dave. When I watched Dave, um, you know, it felt so similar to other things that I've enjoyed that, yeah, I did enjoy it. Um, Mm -hmm. But also the whole time I was thinking about those other things. Sure. So, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it was jarring necessarily in terms of presentation. Like I immediately got it. I'll say that. Like um, it wasn't a, it wasn't a hard sell for me. Gotcha. But, but did it, it, it but it didn't interest you further into trying to figure out more about the personality of Dave or who Dave was? No, just because the, like parody music is something that's like funny to me, like if I come up on it, like I'm gonna watch those things because you said to watch them, but like I don't know. It's not as enjoyable when it's not a surprise, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um okay. and I, I kinda get what he I get what he is. But like you said, um, I would imagine that it doesn't work um, without the visuals. And right. so, no, watching him on the show did not make me go to Spotify and see what Lil Dicky is talking about. Um, also, there's a point where like white people humor is white people humor. And I'm like, all right, I get it. Stop talking about it. Right. And I don't want to listen to that in my free time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean that's just me. That doesn't mean that it's not. Good. I'm also a woman, and I know that that kind of women don't necessarily laugh at the same things mm. men laugh at. Also, a lot of crude sure. humor, like is kind of like nah. I find it to be in poor taste. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I did. I did enjoy the show, though. I'm saying all these critical things here. <laughs> yeah, but you enjoyed the show. No, I but did. No, that makes sense. You you just saying that just really made me realize something because um you know. FX has that whole platform FXX now. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, I always assumed that was just more racy content, but I actually researched what that was. FXX is specifically, um, you know, a, a, a subsidiary channel of FX that, ki- that like makes content for men 18 to 34. So it oh. is literally is catered towards the men demographic. Um, the man demographic. So, so you so saying like that FX really makes sense. And Spike TV had a baby. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So you saying that really falls into they the people that make FXX probably would listen to that and be like, see, I, we knew what the fuck we were doing. <laughs> she's too old. <laughs> and she's not a man. Dudes laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I felt okay. I felt kind of uh-huh. similar because I was I was definitely hating on it the first time I heard of it because I figured. It kind of felt like they were key and peeling um, Donald Atlanta. Glover with like Atlanta and Dave or whatever, and um, so I stayed away from it for a while. But then when I mm-hmm. actually watched it, it was it felt like 
Dave is kind of the show that I thought Atlanta was going to be when I first heard of Atlanta. When I first uh-huh. heard that Donald Glover was making like a show about an underground rapper and the things he goes through in his life and stuff like that. That's kind of what oh, I, I see thought. What you're with his with his previous style of comedy with like community, that's kind of what I thought it would be. But obviously right. Atlanta is more about like the black experience, like specifically like the young black experience and a lot yeah. of stuff that we don't really see. Um, whereas this is way more just about like Dave Bird and him as an underground rapper and just certain things that rappers get into. So, yeah. Interesting. so I, I think yeah, it's the- distinct enough. It it is distinct right. enough, but interestingly enough, like you said, like this show is more Donald Glover, like young Donald Glover, than the content that Donald Glover is now making. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for <laughs> so, sure. This- and, and and I think Atlanta, I know Atlanta for me kind of made that very clear, it made it a clear cut distinction between um, campy sort of Donald Glover and like, oh, okay, this, he really has something to say. Even though I've seen like clapping for the wrong reasons was a short film. That that came before Atlanta. Um, Atlanta for me was the where, where I was like, okay, I got to take him a little bit more seriously. There's a as clear an shift. I, yeah, that happened with shift. me with Atlanta, and then again with Guava Island. I was like, oh, and you stand a black yeah. woman. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Guava, I forgot. Guava Island was really good. It is. It was. It, it was, was really, really good. good man. It felt but, like it felt like I watched City of God in like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know why you say that. That's that's a very good analogy too. Um, so, but Martin, you, I think you hit that right on the head, man. Like, you're absolutely right. When I first heard about Donald Glover doing a show, um, in Atlanta, I, I, in my head, the presentation of it was probably was more like what Dave is. Um, and and when it turned out not to be, it was a pleasant surprise. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, so so I and I mean, part of the conversation is we have to say. You know, we have to talk kind of Atlanta versus Dave because I think um, there's just a lot of like, you know, in the Venn diagram, there's a there's a lot of overlap there where it's, you know, a rapper, a very quirky rapper um, as your main star, uh, you know, very, um, you know, just these souls like a social experiment. Uh, a lot of the same characters. Uh, yeah, they sort both of feeling got Justin like, Bieber. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. I forgot Justin Bieber was in Atlanta. Oh, uh, yeah, or the black one. Yeah, <laughs> the black Justin Bieber. Yeah, with the basketball joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very, just very sort of inclusive of the culture. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Like, where else they overlap, other than it just makes it makes really good use of the culture and puts it all into this pot of gumbo well, for, for some of the sort subject of matter benefit. too that they tackle is. Is similar, and I do, I do like, I love Gator. I love Gator. Gator. He's Darius, but yeah. he's anti-Darius. Like, I love Gator. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I think what's even more impressive about Gator is that it's a real person. Mm-hmm. He, that's that's it's really him. He's really little Dicky's hype man in real life, and this is probably really part of his story. Um, yeah, he used to be um, Tiger's hype man for a long time. See and how they weave that into the story. I yeah. love how they bought out like OT Genesis and, yeah. and the big dude on the Gus uh, Pac Man, the Gun Man. I know about him because he was part of like uh, Nipsey Hustle's collective. Yeah. Um, you know, rest in peace, Nipsey Hustle. But that's how I knew. So like when he had that scene when they were on the tour bus and Gator was wilding out, 
just the fact that they really dug in and had a lot of, you know, Jay Stone. They had a lot of people that are really authentic to like gang culture and L.A. culture inside of this episode. I was like, I took my hat off to Dave on that one, man, because yeah. I, I, I think that's brave, man. You wouldn't expect that he would be tapped into that part of the culture. You know what I mean? Um, well, and have these relationships where he think to reach out to him. Yeah, I mean, without getting ahead of ourselves, but I think that that was probably my favorite episode of the season. Um, mm-hmm. I like it when I don't know what the writers' room looks like, right? I don't know how black the writers' room is. Um, right. But I like I like that they were telling a story about a black man's mental health struggles mm-hmm. in a way that was not embarrassing um, for him or like diminutive in terms of like how it was presented. And it also still felt very black. It didn't feel like a white person telling a black person what they should do. It felt like right. a black person telling their own story. So I don't know how much of that, you know, he wrote himself um, to describe his experience. But I definitely mm-hmm. enjoyed that one the most. It didn't feel inauthentic and it didn't feel preachy from like an outsider. So I like that a lot. Um, but again, I don't know what the the writer's room looked like. Right. So just to, just to kind of like, uh, just to go to the credits on that. So that was episode five, Hype Man, uh, directed by Tony Yacinda, but then written by uh, Saladin Patterson. I don't know if that's, uh, you know, uh, man or woman. I don't know. I, I'm not familiar with the name, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that that that's a really good point. Like you said, it was it was the journey without the, it, you know, it was a very authentic journey. Yeah, it wasn't um, patronizing at all, from in my opinion. At all, no, at all. Um, I I think for me, that's actually the episode where I realized that the show was saying something more than what it was saying. Um, I, I saw hints of it in episodes before. But it really started. I think that was the first. I want to say that was the first episode where they started diving into the actual characters. Uh, yeah, it seems like after that, you know, that that the hype man episode number five. And then after that, you know, we kind of dug a little bit more into, um, you know, Taco L's uh, L's character. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there was an episode for him. There was an episode for his girlfriend. There was an episode for um, somewhat of his manager. I believe, or at least a good portion of it dedicated to it. But I think that episode kind of kicked off the character development of, of, you know, these people that are surrounding Dave to some degree. Um, that for me, that was the episode that I realized it was kind of a serious thing. What, what, what episode for y'all kind of shaped your viewpoint about this, about this show? I mean, I, I think I've said that it's definitely that one. So Martin, I'm a, throw to you yeah yeah absolutely that was the moment i was like oh this is more than just like a comedy or fx comedy this is like they're really trying to say something with this show and it's not just like dave bird being like masturbatory or being like i'm gonna make a show all about myself and being self-centered it's like he really took time to develop the people around him like he didn't really have to develop taco or gator or I mean, Santino somewhat. So it's just, uh, yeah, that, that episode, episode five was like the one, the moment I really started to like the show. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
so before we go any further, I got a shout out because, you know, we're a Virginia podcast, man. There was two very uh, uh, there was two Virginia. Virginia had a little bit of a presence in this show. The first episode, YG's manager, Nutty. I, um, that that is a gentleman by the name of uh, Mustafa Coley speaks. Mustafa Coley speaks. Excuse me. I know he went to HU. I actually met him. Um, he went to HU. I met him doing like a a casting for a, a short film that Skill Skills wrote. Ah. And, he, and and he. I, so this was like 2007. And just a quick little short story, man. 2007. I had never like casted a film or nothing like that before. So I did this open casting call. I'd done like music video stuff, but never like where somebody really had to act. I did this open casting call for a couple of different characters in the film. And a couple of people read for this particular role. The the short film is called Byron. And um it was it's about like a, a drug dealer who develops this relationship with a with um like a a, a crackhead that doesn't seem like he should be a crackhead. It, mm-hmm. it, I can't really say more because it'll give away the story. Um but anyway, he came in and read for the drug dealer part and really cool dude, like really mild manner, just, you know, really chill, regular dude, man. And then we got into the reading of it. And this was the first time in my professional career I've ever experienced somebody making that switch of like, yo, I was just talking to you and you were this person and mm-hmm. now you are totally in this character mm-hmm. and having only like he, you know, he was reading the material for the, for the first time. You know, he took like maybe like two, three minutes out real quick, kind of glazed over it and was like, all right, cool. And delivered this performance. And I was reading across from him and instantly, instantly I was like, yo, this is, this is the difference between somebody who wants to act and an actor. You know what I mean? Um, I just never seen nobody flip the switch on that. And so I've, I've kind of been a fan of him ever since. And um, so I was, ex- he popped up in that, in that show. What was it? Seven seconds. The one with Regina King. Mm-hmm. It, he was in that show too. He was like the, the gangster dude in Jersey in the wheelchair. Yep. Um, He was him. And then, so when I saw him on this, on the first episode, I was like, yo, you like, yeah, we in there, man. Wait, that so wasn't, shout out to you. Mustafa. That wasn't Michael Jai White. No, I'm no, fine. no. Nah. He looks like him a little bit. Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no. It's he's a young dude. He's he's he, Mustafa. I guess is probably either about my age or a little bit older. Did you went to HU, Lizzie? Did you, did you? No, I don't remember. Did, him did you know from him? Hampton. Yeah, he went to HU. Uh, I don't think he's from here. I want to say he's from like Jersey or New York or something like that. Mm-hmm. But but he definitely went to school down here. So shout out to him because he played YG's manager. And then uh, Melvin Gregg, who we're becoming more and more familiar with, he plays a uh, man boy on Snowfall. Mm-hmm. Um, he's from Portsmouth. He played uh, little Dickie's cellmate in the season finale. So, uh, so Virginia was in here pretty heavy. Um, uh, what, what, how, where do we go from here, man? Like, um. Let's talk about, I, I guess, maybe the character development. Okay. Uh, of of this show, man. Who 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 was the character that y'all rocked with the heaviest? Taco, <laughs> definitely. Taco. Els. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Elle's I like. Dope. I like Taco. I mean, I like all the characters. To it, to me, it feels like a lot of times it's like they're not even acting. That's kind of like who they are. Mm-hmm. Like Santino, if you listen to him, like his stand up or his podcast or whatever. That's a redheaded guy. That's that's pretty much exactly how he sounds all the time. 
And I'm sure, yeah. and I listen to Gator on the podcast. That's pretty much how he sounds all the time. And, and I'm sure Taco sounds like very similar too. So mm-hmm. it's like, uh, it, I'm sure it was very, I'm sure it's hard to shoot, but I'm sure it's very like easy for them to get in character and, and to execute these roles. Yeah. I wonder how that is that like, like, you know, cause obviously he's approaching this show as somewhat of a, um, a caricature of his real life, I would imagine. Yeah. So, so, you know, do you approach your, because these actors, you know, Taco doesn't go by Taco in the show. He's a character, right? Like uh-huh. Dave, yeah. Dave and Gator seem like the only ones outside of the, you know, the YGs or the, the trippy reds that are playing themselves. They're the only two that are actually like remnants of themselves. Um, and Taco to some degree, cause he's more of like a DJ than a producer, I think, and like a hype man. Um, but he is related to the industry and everybody else, you know, like Santino, he's a comedian. Um, he's not a manager in real life. So it's like when you approach these people that are actually your friends or you have some sort of relationship with them, I wonder what that conversation is like, you, you know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to play. I don't know. That, that's, that's, that's just an interesting thing. And like, and do you have them? cued as like i want you to play this part or do they have to read for it like what's y'all's hypothesis hypothesis on that well i think he he had been working on it for years so i'm sure like during those years he had probably approached them and told them like i'm working on this thing developing these characters and i kind of want you to play this i don't mm-hmm. think it was like a thing he just brought them into the office and had them audition for it like right. sure, i know from the he said from the beginning he wanted gator to be in the show like before he even really started writing it. So I'm sure they all knew. Mm. Okay. It feels very um, improvised, even when maybe it's not, um, you know, something similar to like how insecure sometimes feels improvised. And Issa has said that, you know, I love the improv- improvisation, but like typically everything is written. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if it's like a similar situation for them. Um, I feel like they are probably heavily casted that there's a process involved and it's not just, I want this person. Um, mm-hmm. Just because of how good the chemistry is, I just, nepotism generally doesn't yield those kinds of results. Mm. So um, I'm going to go with <laughs> they're there mostly <laughs> because of what they can bring to the situation and not just because of association. Right. Okay. I think, yeah, I think that's probably a fair, a fair hypothesis about the situation. Um, I was surprised to see that uh, Kevin Hart was attached to this. Did, did y'all peep that? That he's an yeah. executive producer on this. And and then it made sense when um it made sense when I th- when I think about Dickie, he's from kind of like the Philadelphia area. Um, you know, obviously he's more of a stand up comedian than I, I think. You know, especially after this, you probably identify him more with like a comedic actor than a rapper. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I wonder how much this has, I mean, we see it with the versus battles, right? Like these, their catalogs, people's catalogs increase, you know, after the, after these versus battles, I wonder if this show had that same effect for his career. Let's take a look. <laughs> we could always I wonder do the if Googles. He, I wonder if he put out jail as an actual song. He probably didn't so, though. <laughs> that would so, be funny if he did. So here's the thing. I think this show is so when we talk about like Atlanta versus Dave, to me, there's two very different shows, but I enjoy Atlanta more. Right. And I think Donald Glover is a genius for it. 
The season finale for this made me say, yo, Dickie is, he might be like a very masterful genius. I already felt good about him as a, as a creative, but I started wondering, like, is the season finale, was the season finale for this joint, was this actually a scenario that happened and he's using the show to a release a song that he caught flack from for, from a label like the exact same situation yeah you know and he's using the show to sort of put this out outside of the confines of his record contract have fx pay for the visual and actually use it in its full context for people to understand the intention of it without jeopardizing the music business relationship. I mean, Does that I, make sense? I think that's part of it. I also think it's like it's Lil Dicky making a TV show his fans are going to watch. And just as a treat for them, he's just going to put a brand new music video at the end of the season just for them to, as like an Easter egg, for them to be like, oh, shit, I haven't heard Lil Dicky in a couple years. Now I got a whole music video. But at the same time, it's brilliant because it's like he's making the joke He's making his video, he's making his art, but he's also saying, yeah, this is stupid and problematic at the same time. But he's still getting it off, which is funny. Which is very right. layered and what makes it so yeah. genius. Because um, I just was like, this is a very implausible scenario. So I don't know yeah. if it's, it's something that would have happened in his real life. He seems to be so much more self-aware than his character was being in that moment. Um, and maybe maybe he has evolved to that point. You know what I mean? Um, right. where he previously wasn't before, but yeah, his, his character, he, as an artist seems like he would know better than to do that. So I don't know if that's a real life situation. He would know better than to do what? To be in the same situation as the character presenting something so problematic okay. in a board meeting. Um, <laughs> And then, mm. and then having then having the people in the room like making fun of the people in the room like having a good point. He just seems like way more self aware than that. That he knows better, right? So, and I, I agree with you. See that for me, the argument lays on both sides because clearly he's smart enough to know the boundaries of what he's doing and what that would imply mm-hmm. um, or, or how, how that would have its repercussions. But also if you're familiar with music that he's done, it's not a stretch for him to address, you know, the, the flaws in the prison system or whatever, or, you know, stereotypes of the prison system or whatever, any of that into a song. Like it's not really a stretch when you take into account his catalog. Right. So it's like, I don't know. It just it just makes it very interesting. Like, obviously, I don't think the whole him showing his nuts and at a show and getting arrested for it. I don't. I think that you know, obviously, I forgot was, about that. That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the incident that took us there. Obviously, and then you know him giving head to somebody. Like, of course, the actual content I don't think is real. But the idea of him trying and and if not this, right? Maybe it wasn't this. Maybe it was another song that kind of the label felt the same way about like, this is cultural appropriation or people are not going to understand this. And they fought him tooth and nail. And this was his like, you know, all right, man, y'all really don't know what the fuck y'all are talking about. And just to prove it, I'm going to do it in television and sort of shit on, you know, the executive branch of this label to show them that like, y'all are fucking idiots. And I'm really the genius that was sitting there. I don't think he's above that. Right. Like, I think he's, I think he's smart enough to take the fight 
to a different platform um, and do it in a plausible way to where you really can't argue with it. You know, it's like, yeah. well, I think he also th- realizes how narcissistic he is. And I think towards the end of that episode, he realizes that his narcissism, while it may like propel, like catapult him in these positions to uh, in this creative space and get this money or whatever, like it can also hurt the people that he cares about, including yes. like his girl, his manager, his hype man, like all these other people that depend on him. I mean, I guess that's the arc for Dave in the show, if the, if you want to call it an arc, because I think every episode is pretty much like a bottle episode, except for the last two. But it's right. it's about him learning that like he needs to care for other people. Very good point. Yeah, that and and, and that was driven home in the last few episodes. Um, I really liked the episode that him and his girlfriend broke up the wedding. Um. I, I thought that was a very well done. It was, you know, it had a little bit more of a serious tone than the rest of the episodes. Um, yeah. But I feel like the resolution of that episode was very real. It felt a lot um, like Fosnock. Just saying. It, it felt a lot, a lot <laughs> the, like what? The Fosnock episode of Atlanta. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. It did. I mean, I think clearly. I, I think if we were to go mull about and act like Atlanta didn't inspire this. Or at least open the door for this, we'd be fooling ourselves, right? Like, I, oh, you know, absolutely. Because I, I mean, mean, I'm pretty, pretty sure. Like, FX talked about Atlanta. Like when they, I guess Atlanta, the show that it is, that's not necessarily mm-hmm. the show that Donald Glover pitched. But I guess he was coming off of all this like creative genius stuff that they were just like, here's a, not necessarily here's a blank check, do what you want. But it was kind of that, like here's a blank check do what you want so i'm sure dave got kind of a similar treatment at fx mm-hmm. where it's like do what do what you want we've seen like a creative genius um create something that was really popular and profitable for us too sure yeah. i think that um dave accomplishes the same thing that atlanta accomplishes but maybe for a different demographic um i think yes. you know black audiences get played to like we're incapable of enjoying cerebral content um and so atlanta proves that like no black people get it we get shit too (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so maybe this is Mm -hmm. like okay men 18 to 34 they get it they get shit too they can be taught shit they can they can have these um you know these layered allegory presented to them and enjoy it that doesn't have to be all whatever you think it should be you know what i mean right right yeah um yeah, I'm, I'm sure the conversation, you know, that whole, uh, what's the Hove quote? Hove did that, so hopefully you would have to, to go, go through, through that. that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the conversation to get uh, Dave off the ground was a lot easier uh, because Atlanta existed. Interestingly like, you know, enough, just, there's like parallels between the characters, but like Dave is like Earn and Al at the same time. But then mm-hmm. like um, Els is also Earn. <laughs> so i mean it's just it's just interesting and then like you know some of the situations they found themselves are similar and it's like oh this is how the white guy can maneuver through that situation and this is how a black guy maneuvers through that situation especially because dave's character is like incredibly privileged um (laughs) and you're and you're supposed to believe that like earn is privileged but no that's not how privilege works for black people so (laughs) so it's like really it's really interesting in terms of like um the juxtaposition there so, like, I don't hate that it's super similar to to Atlanta. 
I did feel like mm, it's real adjacent. And I'm like, mm, it feels like appropriation. And then it went another way. So I was like, okay, it called itself out for the thing that it was doing that was annoying me. And then I couldn't be mad anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely eight mild us for sure. Hit us with a rabbit. Um, that, and, and that's, that's part of the, you know, that's part of the self-awareness that you guys just praised before. Uh, I think a show like this only works um, with you being self-aware because there's a lot of deprecation. I mean, even down to, you know, him really talking about, you know, him really just leaning into the whole little diggy thing and talking about what, what is it called? Uh, hypospadius, the whole thing with his penis and having the, is that a real thing? About? Did you Google it? Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's a real condition. Yeah. yeah. Now I don't know if that's really his condition, but it's a, but hypospadius apparently is a real thing when we're like the pee hole is on the underside of your penis as opposed to the, the tip, the, of, the it, tip yeah. of the shaft. Yeah. Um, so, so it's just interesting, but but you know, obviously he gets the questions. Up. His name is Little Dicky, man. So you know he gets the question all the time, and and he's very vocal about you know him just having a very, the you know maybe below average size you know penis. So for him to really lean into this thing is uh is, I mean, is really kind of cool too. Part of me feels like I hope he does have it because if he doesn't, then he's like making fun of people who do. Um. Hmm. I think but, he said he has it on the But that's also me club. being all woke, so whatever. But <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I don't get the I don't get the making fun of it because it's like I can pretend I have this thing, and what kind of misadventures would I have if I had this thing? It's like Michael J. Fox can make fun of having Parkinson's because he actually has it, but if you do it, it's not funny. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I don't think anything in the show got him any. He didn't use it to open any doors in the show. It was just kind of like a. It was just sort of like a, a byproduct, you know. It's just kind of like a. It's a, a furthering of the like the my dick sucks. I get it. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I hear what you're saying there. That's actually a good point. I forgot all about that. That show had so much to it, man. And I, it, it, I mean, it's it's fresh off the press, and I completely forgot about that whole you know my dick sucks thing, which and was hilarious. It plays into like the authenticity of the character. At a certain point, like when he was saying these things about his genitals, I was just kind of like, "You're saying this to like get a reaction out of people," and I was like, "No, the character actually is experiencing this." So it's very like Kaufman esque. Like, is he laughing, and we're like for him, or like are we supposed to be laughing too? Is he laughing at us and not with us? Like, what exactly is happening here? Yeah. So, um. I mean, I'll never know. I don't want to look at this motherfucker's junk, but sure. And I guess like um, it talking about speaking about authenticity, you know, that's something that we expect from black people in the hip hop community. Like you can't spit somebody else's life, even though niggas do it all the time. Mm -hmm. So all it's just time. like, okay, well, I can't rap about being a dope dealer. That's not what I've experienced. That I have a fucked up penis. So, like, that's what I'm going to tell you about. <laughs> yeah. So that's it's what makes it like, relatable. Okay, well, yeah. are you doing that because you're playing us? Because, like, you know, you can't talk about the other things. So it's like, well, where's my authenticity? Like, where's the line? Like, where is the joke? Are we the joke? Or are you the right. joke? Like, where's the, where's the punchline? Who, who's, who's this in service of? Um. Mm. Which to me, I That's don't really point. care if I'm laughing. Like, cool. Yeah, you can laugh at me. Yeah, I, I feel like there's. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. I feel like there's w way more. Um, there's there's way more uh, ability to 
to, you know, treat that subject matter, I guess, a lot worse than he did. So I would imagine I would because of that, I would imagine it is somewhat attached to real life for him. Uh-huh. Um, You know, I, yeah, I, I would just imagine it's somewhat attached to real life for him. And this is his way of coping with it and getting through it. You know, it's interesting that, the, you know, him showing the 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 scenes of him in the past and you know how his friends like that episode that I think it came right after the hype man episode where they went to Philly and performed and um and uh you know his homeboys like Taco kind of let them know like yo they not your friends like they actually be shitting on you on the low and they use you as this guinea pig sort of thing uh-huh. um that that you know I feel like that was a very real experience like a very real awakening for him at some point um you know this this you know he's got this class clown demeanor and then you realize damn like this thing developed for me being the butt of a joke but i turned it into something but the 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 genesis of it was really i was i wasn't the class clown i was the dartboard you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and, and you know i i mean i i would you know that's kind of i'm not going to say very close to my experience i don't think i i ever developed friendships with people that really didn't take me seriously but you know i know that there was probably a sector of people in life that didn't take me seriously um, so I, I really appreciated what that episode was saying. I really loved his parents, man. Let's talk about his parents. They were really, they they were really funny. I know they were actors, man. And it's funny. My wife was like, yo, are, is that his real parents? No. Like, yeah, of course not. But they did a really good job of like being affable and, uh, for us to really understand where this character came from. Do we think that's a, a fair representation of his real parents? The, 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 the yeah, show's parents? Do we? I don't know much about his real parents, really. Um, I know, like, they, I know there was, like, a intervention or something like that. When he was about to release his first song, his girlfriend and his parents sat him down and told him not to do it. <laughs> That's funny. I, I wish I'd have been a fly on the wall for that conversation. Yeah. But once he breaks it down, if he's if he's half as good as breaking down, like, his uh, presenting his music career as he did in the show... If he was able to do that for his parents, I can imagine his parents like sitting there watching the entire presentation and, and being logical and saying, I mean, you know, it seems like a very viable source of income. But, you know, it seems like he's he's thought about it. It makes sense. We know rap music makes money. You know, he probably has a father and, and mother. Well, they depict his mother as being more uh, of the one that, you know, has that has the sense in that particular department, man. But uh I could see that going that way too. him having to make like a PowerPoint presentation for his parents to explain to them why he quit his day job and started, <laughs> did a, a, a GoFundMe or he did, it wasn't a GoFundMe. I think he did like a Kickstarter campaign yeah. for his, uh, for his music career. And then, you know, him quitting his job and moving to LA, I would imagine there was a PowerPoint presentation for his parents involved with that. I like when he called his parents and he and they asked him like why didn't he make he didn't make any money off his music he was like yeah because I stole some kids beat online <laughs> so he couldn't monetize any any of the millions of views that was funny because that's, that's like some real like SoundCloud rapper stuff for sure uh did did y'all any of the cameos surprise y'all or that stood out to y'all I guess I like I liked them because. He kind of took rappers that, like, I guess mainstream America or mainstream, like, people might have different preconce- preconceived notions of, and he just 
like he just uh portrayed them as they are uh, portrayed mm-hmm. them in situations that aren't necessarily stereotypes that are just like them being themselves like portraying young thug as like the the dirty blunt dude or trippy wet is just some guy who's trying to take care of his like nephew or something like that or yeah. tear whack is just somebody there for a photo shoot so it it is some real rapid stuff i mean i would say the most the most like i wouldn't say stereotypical because i'm sure yg is like really like that like all the time pretty much but um mm-hmm. that's probably the most like if you would think of from who yg is from his music and you didn't know him that's probably what you would think he would be like Yo, low key, YG a good little actor, man. I saw, I finally got around to watching White Boy Rick, and he was in that, and I oh, was yeah. like, Yo, YG actually kind of good of a little actor and shit. Yeah, he should be on Did Snowfall. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes an appearance. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, especially especially after seeing him in White Boy Rick. Yeah. Uh, he he pulled that off with the butterfly collar and everything. He pulled that shit off, bro. Right. Yeah. The um. Yeah, the 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 trippy red the trippy red one. I, I'm not a fan of trippy red. It's actually kind of yeah. hard for me to look at trippy red just in the face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, he he just looked weird, man. Um, so and the, you know he I don't know, man. Like all the tattoos and stuff. Like he just don't he don't it don't I don't get a comfortable feeling when I look at him in the face, man. So I mean, to see him on the show yeah. and for him to have some sort of a comedic value that really it really did a 180 for me on just being able to at least. Uh, tolerate his presence. Yeah, I'm still not gonna listen to his music, but he was like when he first came out, he was kind of in that like Takashi Six Nine lane of like right. a SoundCloud rapper that trolls people and like starts beefs and does like random stuff, like ridiculous things for no reason. But they didn't yeah. portray him as that; they just portrayed him as just like an artist, like just a regular artist. So I, I thought that was cool that they did that. Very cool. Very cool. I like yeah I'm I'm with you on the Young Thug cameo too man that 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 just that portion of it I was like man um I could see Young Thug having his own show, but not a show like this extensive and this deep but just having like his own sort of thing where he's a personality like I never yeah, looked at Young Thug that way really cuz he's he's a very interesting yeah. I mean he's a person that a lot of people want to know like what's going on with him right. I guess like I mean I saw the trailer for um what is it? Uh, the King of Staten Island, like Pete Davidson's movie, and uh, oh, right. Chad Apatow said, like people just look at Pete Davidson and are just wondering, like, what's going on with that guy? <laughs> like, like, cause yeah. all the everything that's happened to him and ha- and he's done, and like the way he looks is just like, what's going on up there? I think Young Thug is not necessarily like the tragedy stuff in his life, but he's a similar guy like, that you're like, why, why is he doing the things he's doing? Like what what's going on with this guy yeah i agree and, and to answer i don't really, really feel like i don't really feel like i wonder what's going on with him i think that like it's on marketing is what it feels like to me um really you mm-hmm. feel like that's a, he's he's an entire marketing ploy? no i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say it's a ploy because that implies that it's inauthentic um okay and a lot of times what we perceive to be mainstream that's inauthentic I don't necessarily mm. think that he's inauthentic. I think that they just choose to market him as he is. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. So it if does. it's kind of yeah. like, well, and that I think that that's a lot. A lot of times when we're dealing with like black male masculinity, like they don't expect that you know 
we're not a monolith. You know what I mean? That that can yeah, look different right. ways or that we can be empathetic to certain communities. So he's just, you know, like when Lil B, the bass guy was like, I'm gay. That shit mean I'm happy. Y'all stop thinking about this shit so hard. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? So like, yeah. I didn't, I didn't think like, oh, okay. Like he's trying, he's trying to be something else. Like I was just like, oh, okay. Well, this is just, this is just what he has going on. And he's just like, you fuck with her, you don't. And I'm going to market myself as I am. But I don't, I never looked at him and was just like the fuck. Never. I just, was, I just looked at him and was like, okay, you're either going to get it or you, the same thing with like Jaden Smith talking about Tyler, the creators, his boyfriend, like. I fully understand that they're not in a relationship, that that's his boy, who that's right. like, who is a friend, who is a boy. Right. And he's like, that's my motherfucking boyfriend. Like, they don't be tongue kissing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? I understand that right. he's trolling. So it's just kind of like, if you don't get it and you want to make it something else, like, you're stupid. So that's how I feel yeah. about Young Thug. It's just kind of like, if you don't get it and you want to make it something else, like, that's on you, but I'm chilling over here. So. Mm. It's marketing to yeah. me. It's just mark, but it's but it's not inauthentic. If that makes sense. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. I, I mean, I'll say that like, and, and everything you're saying makes perfect sense. I'll say for me, it just I didn't realize how like I knew he was, um, he was interesting to watch, mm-hmm. but to to put him into like I would love to see content curated specifically for him outside of music. You know, oh, put sure. into that thing. That's for, that's all I was saying for me. You know, I think um, I think you're aware, and I'm not telling, and I because of things that you've said to me in the past. Well, what, that we've talked about on here, you know, like, um, a lot of times, like the presentation is is just the surface, and it's that's not the whole person. So what you observe no, sure. is is never a complete picture. And so you know, with him, even even in his little part on This Is America, like having something to say that is very succinct but still very profound like he's not a dumbass like you know what i mean right um and right. i i think i went through this period of like uh you know writers and poets not really realizing like how brilliant they are because of how simplistically we're presented with what poetry is um mm. through art you know what i mean like you can sit around and think that you know plas doesn't talk like that in real life and he's really smart but like this is a caricature mm. that you're presented with so when you know it's all very simplistic and they don't have anything deep to say you just assume that they're dumb <laughs> you know what i mean mm. um and then when it's then when they do have something to say it's like okay well you you're actually kind of smart we shouldn't be assuming that there's not more there than what's on the surface. Cause that's not how any of us are. Someone who encounters you for five minutes in a store doesn't know you, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Who out of curiosity, when you, when you said, you said you were doing research for something where you dug into. Well, it wasn't necessarily I, I, that I was doing research, just my observation of like, I don't know. I've always been a fan of Nikki Giovanni. So you couldn't have convinced me that like, she wasn't a genius, but like someone like, Oh yeah. Amaya Angelo. Yes, I knew she was talented, but then like the level of brilliance was actually lost on me. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Like it was, I knew that she was brilliant, but the level of where it was, was far surpassed my expectation. So like, and I, and I know that's because like, I've been presented with a bunch of rappers who are not meant to seem smart. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) Like the poet Mm -hmm. laureate is a savant and that's not actually true. Um, so we shouldn't be surprised when these people are intelligent and have a point of view. I think that we are 
it's marketed to us that they don't, and we need to not think of ourselves that way. Um, and that I'm talking when I say we, I mean me, because I don't know how you mm. guys feel about it. You know what I mean? Right, right. But right, I definitely right, right. think that mm. that particular marketing of like their savants, like it yeah. worked on me. But that's you know, I'm a, I'm on the yeah. other side of that, going like, yeah, that was brilliant. Supply right. by the man. I'm gonna bop his ass when I see him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, to be fair, I mean, I know for me, like, I, I, I don't think of, um, I don't attribute any sense of dimension or brilliance to most rappers to be, or just most artists in general. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna limit it to rappers, but I listen to mostly rap. So, like, um, we're talking about writers and poetry. So, like, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some I think it's clear, and then others, I, I, um. I think it is, it's more just a form of expression, right? There, mm-hmm. There's not a lot of, there's always going to be depth because everybody has their own story, but there's not, sometimes the brilliance is not just in the lived experience is being able to translate and to really, you know, uh, cut off the, the rough edges of it and still make a good sandwich, you know, um, of, of what they've experienced. The ability, yeah, and, the, the ability to channel that into art. The creative yeah. portion of it, the is 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 a form of brilliance, but it's not necessarily right. intellectual brilliance. But I can't assume that that's not there. Is what I'm saying. But right, okay, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Sometimes it really yeah, I, isn't. You know, I've yet to hear Lil Yada say something that I thought was brilliant. It hasn't happened. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah but, but you know, but then then you hear about him being like creative director for Polo or whatever he is, you know, and you realize that maybe that brilliance extends to just really understanding you know the, his peers you know which is a is you know it's it's a, it's a great there's there's a currency there yeah for sure for sure being able to translate the present um yeah I'm, and and I'm trying to think of like a good explanation of somebody who it's like I don't feel like the the depth is all the way there but I also don't want to discredit anybody that way um, because y- y'all y'all broke y'all both bring up good points. Like you know this show, I I, I definitely wouldn't have thought Trippy Red had anything to offer outside of if we're you know if we're keeping it to the show outside of you know even when you hear you know I hate I know everybody hate talking about him the Takashi Six Nine interviews man like even in his interviews you can he's not really extremely good at articulating but if you really break down the morsel of what he's trying to say. He's very entertaining. He's very, um, um, it, you know, you can track it. You know, you can track his intelligence and you can understand where it comes from. He really, that trolling shit, like he really does that. You know, he really knows how to get into the psychology of people. So you you start realizing, you know, where his brilliance lays there. Um, and you, you just don't understand why you're using it for the stupidity. And I didn't see that in Trippy Red, you know, I'm not saying that I do, but I do see a value in him outside of just being like this wild ass rapper from Ohio. You know what I mean? Think about what that was, right? Like what that, what that episode was in terms of like, who's going to be responsible in a certain situation. So, you know, he had the responsibility of, of looking out for his, was that his cousin or his nephew or whatever? His nephew. His nephew. And you're, you're just going to, my assumption was like, oh, this little boy's about to be bad as hell, like, and they're gonna go in. And it wasn't that at all. It was like, nah, uh-uh. he's just a regular little little boy. He just happens to look how he looks, like, you know what I mean? Right. Um, right. And also, like, you know, blackmail's responsibility to family. 
and and how that extends to the community and are can you be a village like are you even responsible enough um who has good sense in this situation you know what i mean it's not necessarily the person you would assume does right right yeah that's that and those that's all good man who wrote that episode see now you got me thinking like hold on I know I it came off like I hated wear, it Alex in the Russell. beginning, but I really did not hate this show. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know when we were talking about it, just I mean, it didn't come off like that on this uh, on this conversation, but it definitely in the group chat it came off like you wasn't fucking with Dave. Um, so to hear you say all these positive things about it is really, really no, dope. I do have positive um, things to say. I just think that like you know, it's been yeah. done. That's all. <laughs> it's been yeah. no nah, for sure for sure and that sure. doesn't I mean, take away from its brilliance it's just kind of like you're comparing it to the thing that came before it so it's been done yeah um but that that does make me wonder man whose decision is it to really utilize these people because you know dicky didn't dicky didn't write that episode right so like I don't, that, that was just an interesting process man i wish there was some way we could have had somebody like him on an episode to really explain that position because you know, if you're in the writer's room and you're writing from this perspective of exactly what you just said, you know, who's responsible in these situations or, you know, young black men being responsible for their families uh, be, because, the, you know, they're a source of income or whatever the case may be. Whose idea is it to really weave that into the fabric of the show and then say, you know what? Trippy Red is the perfect vehicle to say that, you know, is the uh, you know, he's the perfect. Well, he's the, the perfect, perfect vehicle to, to say because he's not who you expect it from. Right, but how do you hone in on Trippy Red? Is that, I, and I guess I that's, think that that's, there are other uh, people who could have done that. I don't think he's the the only one. Like you know what I mean. Yeah. But I think that it's important to capture that. Like you need to be uncomfortable in these situations with your assumptions about people. And so, yeah. who can I put in front of your face to make to you make challenge you, what oh, you thought? There you go. Okay, so it's it's so it's really the idea, mm-hmm. and then you're you're fitting things or people or situations into this right. idea right. as opposed to creating around it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you backwards engineer it. Backwards, <laughs> yeah. There's that inversion again, there bro. There you go. <laughs> Reverse engineer um, it backwards. We can use better yeah. words. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, where you at, man? I need you back in here. I know you had a lot to say about day. Um, nah, just overall, I mean, it's definitely probably been one of my favorite uh, new Hulu shows definitely because like when I got Hulu the first two things I watched were Devs and Dave so hey. that that was like a really great start for me um, I'm definitely yeah. looking forward to more episodes I mean whenever they could get back to shooting stuff right Um, I just I like that he put like a lot of his people on like that that Benny Blago guy like that's really his friend or whatever I think that's the guy that produced um the Chris Brown song, he produced Earth mm-hmm. and some other stuff for him. But he's produced like a lot of top forty hits type stuff like that. Right. So so I like that he it's like uh I mean, th- there's a lot of shows that do this. I guess Curb does it a lot where he'll have like a real person like portray themselves and it it'll be a joke. But I guess in Lil Dicky's show it's something more like a real person portrays themselves and it's more like a love letter to them or like a like uplifting them and showing them why he appreciates them well you know what is very similar to is very similar similar to um crashing oh yeah crashing absolutely yeah 
yeah, the way that they used uh, their cameos in Crashing, man, it's yeah. very similar to that. Or even Entourage, if we want to be a little bit more in your face about it. Um, Entourage yeah. is really good about really making examples of people and exploiting the thing that people know them for um, and building it into the storyline. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. I, w- I was shocked to see Kourtney Kardashian in this joint, to be honest. You know, one, because she's probably the least talked about of the Kardashian sisters. And then um, so so I automatically assume, you know, like, damn, like what was the you know, she would probably be the one that's the most reluctant to be on a show like this, I would imagine, uh, yeah. if you just would have said that on paper. But then to have her in there and to have her have such like a really cool, chill cameo, that was really dope to me, too. You know, I'm not like a big Kardashian stan or nothing like that, but I thought yeah. that was very interesting. Yeah, because like any of the other ones, it might have been kind of like, okay, you're stunting. Like if it's Kim, you're kind of stunting and it might take you out of the scene. I guess, uh, I mean, Kendall, you might get to do it, could do it, but he ought to use Kendall for the Chris Brown video. And Kylie right. definitely now is kind of like you're stunting too, or you're just doing like the most um, popular thing. Mm-hmm. But Courtney uh, is like, I guess down to earth enough. I mean, if you want to call it down to earth, she's like the least like out there out of all of them that right. where you could probably do an episode about her. But I don't so really watch you people sound like people who don't watch the Kardashians. Yeah, and I don't I, watch yeah, it. Yeah, so oh, yeah, all I, I know about Courtney is like it. she has bad kids. Supposedly, uh, like that's it. Courtney needs the, needs a win. She needs to seem nice. She she's the one who needed to be on the show being portrayed the way that she's been portrayed, and I. I wouldn't tell I would not say that she's not out there. I think that she is having a weird relationship with her fame right now and like people don't like her. So hmm, in my yeah. opinion, the one who's the least out there is actually Kendall. But but yeah, Kendall yeah. seems the most normal out of all of them. <laughs> but oh, wow. But yeah, Courtney. You keep up with the Kardashians? I mean, no when I saw Courtney and Kim in the hallway smacking the shit out of each other, I would wanted to know why. Oh wow. <laughs> so why was that oh i don't even want to get into it but like i'll just say this like they they can't fight fight but like they ain't running from your ass either yeah yeah facts facts i didn't i didn't take you as a uh our card kardashian night first of all i just sat on this show last week and told y'all that i watch trashy nollywood movies what would make you think that i am above watching the kardashians (laughs) (laughs) if i watch a nollywood movie called baby mama what the hell makes you think that i am above and i mean i don't consistently watch keeping up with the kardashians but like if i ain't doing shit i'm like oh what are they doing this looks interesting like yeah i'll watch it I definitely watch Atlanta Housewives. Like, I'm going to go back and watch that tomorrow since I've missed it tonight. Like, I watch all of that bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I truly don't know. I don't, I don't know shit about them, man, other than who they married to or got babies by. Are there any shows you guys are looking forward to? Ooh. Um, there's, man, I'm sure there is, man. But, of course, when you ask me that, my mind goes completely blank. I'm knee deep and insecure. We're halfway through the season. I'm just itching. Also, that'll be on in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, what I usually do is I'll wait for a few episodes to pass, but, and I'll just binge insecure towards the end. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm like three episodes behind, but I like, I saw that they, I saw they have my man, Sir, up there. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Sir. That's my dog. I love um, Sir. Yeah. Sir music is crazy, man. You know, but, um, yeah. Homecoming season two dropped 
Uh, oh, Amazon. I need to watch that. That's right. I need That's to watch right. that so I can know. Um, oh, didn't uh, her movie get pushed back? Who oh, did Antebellum. Antebellum. Oh, Antebellum. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably what. So it's so it's still going to get a theatrical. I'm assuming so. I'm that actually looking like forward to that, even though my friend ruined it for me. Very upset. <laughs> I know you said that. I feel like I feel like that's one of the ones they'll sacrifice the theatrical for. Uh, it seems like it's within that budget. Oh, range. I did. Did you um watch Lovebirds last night? No, I didn't. That was on my list. Me and my wife were supposed to, and we didn't. I um, wasn't mad I at that. Yeah. I, was it? So, did you see Coffee and Cream? No. Oh, okay. Because that was funny as shit. So I, I was I was going to ask, was it kind of on par with that? No, it's just like any other, like, we're on a date and having a misadventure movie. Right. Um, like a, like a date night joint. I like Kumail and Issa together. Okay. Um, really good chemistry? I wouldn't say really good chemistry, but, like, I didn't think I was going to laugh. Mm. I de- and I laughed very quickly. <laughs> so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, And it's not a movie that it's like, this is hilarious. It's not the kind of humor for me that's like, oh my god, this is so so funny. But it it made me laugh enough that I'm like, oh, it's cute. Watch it. Yeah. It didn't suck because okay. you know, like people were like, oh my god, that looks terrible. It wasn't terrible. Yeah. You just have to know what you're signing up for. Like you're signing up right. for a buddy misadventure movie. Right, right. And and I'm assuming they both performed very well. Sure. I mean, you. like. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the thing about it is, anyone could have, anyone could have, it could have casted anyone in this movie. It's one of those. Mm. And I like that they, I like that they casted who they casted. Okay. Um, When I say that, I mean like culturally, like the character, what's his name, like Jabbar or whatever, he's Pakistani because it's Kumail, right? But like. Right. Character's not necessarily Pakistani, and it's not like a a point of conversation. There yeah. are several times in the movie where they're in situations with white people and they don't know what to do, <laughs> but <laughs> right. it's not a thing that they are verbalizing so that you're like, "Oh, this is meant to." It's just kind of like when you're a person of color and white people, are, mm-hmm. and because they're commenting, they're like talking, they're like, "What the fuck, y'all doing?" Oh shit! And it's like, <laughs> it's that. Yeah. But interesting. Yeah, I wasn't mad at it. I think you and your wife will enjoy it if like y'all sit down and watch it. It's funny. Yeah, that's right up her her her. Yeah, I think I think Netflix was probably the perfect move for it. Cause I don't know if it was on like Amazon for like twenty, thirty, fifty dollars. I don't know if I would have. No, nobody was I don't think that they that movie didn't have a a crazy budget anyway. So I don't think that they were like looking for like a huge box office success with that anyway. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. But, but you know what? I still, I, it's still really, I really wonder what the business model is like, though, because you are definitely, you're like, is that license? Two questions. Is that license really worth it for Netflix? And if it is, what's the price point for something like that? And like, like, what's the profit sharing? What's the, you know what I'm saying? Like it, 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 this wasn't your initial business model. So now that it's gone that way and the money's spent, you know, what is the expectation or what is the right line of business that makes sense for both parties? Like I, I don't know. That's just very interesting. 
and I, and I, I wish somebody would kind of come out publicly and talk about it without fucking huh. up their relationship. I don't see the I don't see the budget on here, huh? And 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 what or or was it a Netflix production sort of from the beginning? Because I know they're kind of doing that too, where they're in bit like for instance, um, I know Uncut Gems was uh, a Netflix and an A twenty four production. So I'm assuming that you know A twenty four is in it for the domestic and international distribution, the theatrical money, and then once they've kind of made their run and made their profit back. You know, it comes over to Netflix because of Adam Sandler and his deal. Um, you know, it comes over to, you know, it comes over to sort of get the bump from the analytics from Netflix and their algorithm. And so it's like, I wonder what both companies are embedded for it for. And, and was this one initially a Netflix production as well? Mm-hmm. Which it probably wasn't. That character's name was Jabron, not Jabbar. I didn't, that was culturally insensitive of me anyway you said you said jabron jabron her name is leilani his name is jabron okay yeah i'm I'm trying to get into it i definitely want to see homecoming too though um yeah man i I know that's it from for my cue uh for me and my wife uh y'all y'all got your eyes on anything on uh on streaming nope Mm. <laughs> I mean, I, I finished Homecoming season two, so outside of that, and I watched a show called Motherland, um, which I like. But I, outside of that, I don't think I'm really watching anything except for anime. Mm. That's about it. Okay. Um, just one question about Homecoming season two: Does it pick up from season one, or is it this a whole new story? No, it picks up from season one. I mean, it's okay. it's more like if I if I had to uh describe it it's more like homecoming season 1.5 to me uh some of the incidences are sort of happening parallel yeah okay so it's like it's it's like better call Saul almost to breaking bad maybe maybe yeah okay all right well uh i think that's it for dave guys yeah i think so too yeah dave's great show man uh i wish we could have had dickie on this show to talk to us man i know he ain't doing shit in quarantine but uh, we'll we'll save that for uh, maybe a season two or something like that. Uh, thank y'all for hanging out with me, Lizzie and Martin. Absolutely. I appreciate yeah. y'all. Uh, that's it, man. We call ourselves kind of movie critics because we kind of are. We're kind of not. We're just a bunch of people that like to watch movies. This has been an On Ear Network production. <laughs>